0: Welcome to By the Fiberside, a knitting and spinning podcast from the southern edge of northern Alberta, Canada. Episode 22, Permission to Fail. I think I have to tear back the 2009 sweater. I tried to wear it to work the Monday after the last episode. I had attached snaps, put on the pin closure in the appropriate spot, and it was all ready to be worn. I put it on, looked at myself in the mirror, and promptly decided I looked like a child dressing up in her mother's clothing, which is not a good look for someone 180 centimeters tall, especially not for office dress. It's a warm, cushy sweater, but I did not spend four years and lots of yarn money on a house sweater that feels like it's falling off my shoulders all the time due to the yoke construction, and that I could only really wear for sitting on the couch because it only closes at the top. It's a fail. I tried, I finished, but I failed. And you know what? I'm okay with that. In my job, I keep an eye on the news, and one of the stories that's been floating around for the last year or so is about school children and grading. There was a high school physics teacher here in Edmonton who was fired for giving his students zeros on works they didn't turn in. He was fired because the school had a no-zero policy. A school board in Calgary had planned to do away with marks and replace them with a vaguely worded assessment system, but delayed implementation in the face of serious opposition. More recently, some schools have done away with the honor roll and awards nights, and now that's become a hot topic for debate. Now, I don't know enough about the issue to come down on either side when it comes to pedagogy. I work with websites and I do fiber arts. I am not a teacher or an education expert by any stretch of the imagination. But there are things that I remember. I remember getting my grey, red cross swimming badge after the swimming unit in high school and knowing that I didn't earn it. That I only got it because I showed up to each swimming day and put in my time. Not because I had the required skill level. I think it had taken me three or four or five tries to get my blue badge, and there was no way, no way that I had the skills to get the grey at that point. And getting that grey badge that way... Diminish the accomplishment of getting all the others before. I remember being in junior high, being unable to do more than about 10 sit-ups in a minute for the Canada fitness test, and then doing sit-ups in my room every night before bed until the actual testing day, where I managed to do about 30. I think I still got like a bronze or a participation badge that year, because darn it, I still couldn't run very well. But I felt really good about those sit-ups. I remember getting 100% marks in band class in high school, and not having it mean nearly as much as the lower marks I got in junior high, because we never learned any musical theory or did any testing in high school. Now, I'll be the first to admit that I was a person who did well in school, and I know that some people don't thrive in that kind of environment. But... One of the things that I learned, apart from the academics, was how to fail, and how important that is to success later on. Failure is a learning experience. What about the frazzle bat yarn? I have a big, lovely, highly overspun skein that will never do for anything but socks or warp, if that. Of course I'm disappointed in it. But I now know to reduce my ratio if I'm going to do an inch per treadle. And at the end of the day, that yarn balanced, no matter how twisted it actually was. It's a fail. It didn't work out as I'd hoped. But I learned something, and the sheep are always making more wool. I tried to salvage the 2009 sweater. I really did. The asymmetrical yoke-only closure gentle blocking, anything to try and make it work. But if it looks like dress-up clothes now, it's only going to look even more ridiculous once I'm done working with the naturopath on my food sensitivities, because I'm sure to be dropping inches as I even further restrict my diet. Sure, I'm disappointed. But I know how to give myself permission to fail, and can look at that failure for the lessons therein. In this case not that yoke construction. Don't try to knit something oversized to begin with. Also, don't take four years to knit a sweater. Now, where's my ball winder? It's time to start frogging. Thanks for listening. This is By the Fiberside. Fiber Week. So last weekend we went out to Kaylee Wool for a spin-in and it was fantastic and lovely and and it was really great to be out there and thank you to Marg for hosting us. Marg actually saved a little bit of cotton spinning for me because I when I was emailing back and forth with her I said and I need another lesson on how to spin cotton because I don't remember on a wheel and uh, she was actually spinning up um, some leftover cotton that she had. So she she was spinning up a whole bunch of her leftover cotton in, in brown, green, and white. She's going to ply them all together, and then she's going to make dishcloths for people for Christmas. I'm like, that's a fantastic idea in my copious spare time. And if I had spare cotton, which I don't. But when I do have spare cotton, and I know how to spin it, it's a fantastic idea. Anyhow, she saved the last of the brown Uh, for me to, so that she could show me basically how to spin cotton at a wheel again. And, uh, and I, and I watched and I observed and figured some things out. And then I sat down on my wheel and for about 15 minutes I could spin cotton great. And then I started to get breaks and stuff like that. I think, so right now, just with, you know, the, my practice and stuff like that, 15 minutes is about the magic number. So I need to spend about 15 minutes a day spinning cotton, to, uh, to really, you know, get, get it, get it into my hands, you know, figure it out. So I said this last weekend and then, you know, last, last week I had three appointments, so I haven't spent the time spinning cotton, but we were out at Mark's for about mm, three. No, we got it there at 10, didn't leave before four. So it was, we were out there for quite a long time. Uh, I didn't spin cotton the whole time. Obviously I spun it for about 15, 20 minutes, uh, I'd taken out there um a braid that i'd i'd got i got in September, and I know I've got stuff in my stash that's older, but it was what I felt like spinning and this is a it's a braid of uh, Shetland hundred percent shetland uh top top roving uh, oh I have the tag right here roving uh that was dyed by uh a local dyer a f handcrafts We've got a couple of really, really great local dyers up here in Edmonton and, uh, Alliston, who is the proprietress of AF handcrafts does mostly roving and does an amazing job. She's got a really great color sense. So this particular one is, um, four ounces of a colorway called gecko. So it's green mixed with a bit of dark, like, like dark, dark, almost black green, And uh, so what I plan to do with it once I have the bobbin spun up is I'm going to chain ply it because that's another thing I need practice with is chain plying. And I'm also, it's, it's putting in the time, you know, putting in the time so that I get the practice and I need a lot of practice. And that's one of the things we talked about at the spin in is a lot of this is about muscle memory. A lot of it is about practice and a lot of it is about, you know, starting to understand how how fiber works for you you know and then after spinning cotton for a little while i really wanted to spin something easy and chetland is not hard to spin so and then i came home and i figured out how i can spin uh from my couch in the living room so i'm gonna leave the joy up here and spin you know on the couch hanging out you know on some evenings so i've actually got quite a bit done not the four ounces, probably not even half the four ounces, but, but it's a nice way to sit and relax. So, so yeah, not much on the homework front, unfortunately, but I am taking a week's vacation here uh, in conjunction with the Remembrance Day long weekend. Remembrance Day falls on a Monday this year. So by taking four days of vacation, I can get a lot of time off, which will be very good for my homework. So that's my plan. I'm going to try this coming week. I think I only have one appointment this coming week, so I can try and spend a bit of time spinning some cotton and uh, and getting the feel for that as well. And I also need to get back into silk as well. So take out some of my silk and practice with that. So for level two, I guess I'll just, for now, until I come up with something more interesting. I'll keep working through the exercises in order. So the next exercise was exercise B1, and this had to do with fiber characteristics. We had to talk about how fiber characteristics influence your choice of preparation. And in this case, they specifically wanted a, a description about how fineness, staple length, and crimp affect your choice of preparation. As with everything, there's no hard or fast rules like you must do this or or you must do that for for certain, you know, types of fiber. But but generally, you you look you look at a fiber and you you have a feeling. And this is, I think, part of you know the exercise in level one, the breeds book, where you have to you know prepare and spin the fiber. Well, n- not true woolen, but woolen and worsted. Uh, spin them both ways and see which one they like better. And in the same way, you know, that that starts teaching you there are certain fibers that don't like to be spun a certain way. And in that way, you also know that they don't like to be prepared in a certain way. Like, um, what's it called? Scottish blackface. Did not like being carded at all. I made an absolute mess trying to card that stuff. So uh, in that case, um, the suggestion from Marg, who was also my level one teacher, was to tease it out into a square and then roll it in the way that I needed to roll it. So another option um, that I learned later was because it's a primitive fleece, you separate out uh, the tog and the tell and you spin the tog worsted and, and card the tell. So either way. So in terms of, you know, fineness in, you know, in the there's, there's that, that medium happy range where you can do both. Um, the, the finer it is, the less carding you're going to want to do to it because it'll get all neppy and it'll break But in the same way the thicker ones you don't want to card uh, either because you just can't so So again, you have to kind of you know, find that find that middle ground and and again It depends on the type of your yarn that you want to produce Staple length anything over three inches is really not easy to card um, I'm I, I see some people carding things like alpaca in like videos on youtube how do you do that because i've only ever made a mess of it and then crimp as well less crimp less deals with your preparation method but with the final character of the yarn a high crimp um fiber will produce a more woolen type yarn even if prepared and spun worsted simply because of the crimp in it so so those are things, and, and level two is where you actually start, you know, looking seriously at your fiber. It's not just wool. It, it starts becoming, how is the best way to spin this? So, so fiber characteristics, that's, uh, that's a, a little bit about level two. The, uh, the date change, there's been some more information that's come out about it for fiber week. I'm really happy now that, that, you know, as a community, and on Ravelry at least, we're getting good information, and and as a community of participants, we're able to start, you know, coming up with ideas, but not in a vacuum, not in an information vacuum, and, and that makes a huge difference. There's lots of really great ideas about how to make it work, and and also, you know, the, the fact that this is, you know, um, most likely it's a one-off uh, for this date change. But altogether, you know, if we all start, if this is something that we want as a community to you know, to continue the way it is and and to enhance as well, we need to, in this day and age of post-secondary education cuts, show the college that this continuing education program is worth keeping. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of work to be done, not just by the people at the college and the volunteers, uh, like the, the actual volunteers who are working on it now, Uh, we all need to pull together. Um, and I'll be putting my name forward for the industry advisory council once, once I know how to apply for the industry advisory council, uh, for, for fiber week and the fiber arts programs. So, so that's a little bit about fiber week And next episode will be at the tail end of my week off. And I am interested to see how much homework I actually managed to accomplish. Fiber notes. I feel like it's been busy on the knitting and crocheting front but i actually don't know if i have a lot of progress to show for it for the Knitminton poppy install i did uh, four large poppies they each took an hour i i kind of made up my own um poppy design just to make it work but uh but they turned out quite nice but unlike the smaller poppies which take maybe 10 minutes uh each of these poppies took an hour so So, I mean, that was four hours worth of work, and the first one took a little longer because I was trying to, you know, figure out how big it needed to be and making sure that the pattern worked out okay for me. So, in the end, at the prep night this past Wednesday, we counted out 1,109 poppies. And then the next day, two more arrived at Valor Place. So, very appropriately for our Remembrance Day install on the 11th month, or for the 11th day of the 11th month, We have 1111 poppies that will go up on the pillars around Valor Place. So, we, they. Alright, I should just give it up, shouldn't I? You all know that I'm part of Nipminton. Anyway, we. So, that's tomorrow. I'm recording this on Saturday night. Uh, So we'll be doing the the install tomorrow afternoon in the snow. It's uh, our first big snowfall here in the southern edge of northern Alberta. So it'll still be a lot of fun and I'll, uh, I'll get some pictures. So it was really great to see how everything came together uh, for, for the poppy install. We had poppies from everywhere and I in case anybody out there is listening who made a poppy for the Valor place install. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. On top of the poppies, I've been working on the op art blanket. I, I really want to get this done as close to the baby shower as possible, which is in 2 weeks. Don't think it's going to happen? I'm still going to try. And and I'm really glad I decided to go from the outside in. Really, really glad. Because the the whole first section, the first white section, which was uh, 16 you know rows of garter, so 8 knit, 8 pearl took one whole ball uh, or one whole skein of vintage. One whole skein. And I can't imagine doing that at the end when I'm just absolutely, you know, you know, when I'm right at the end and I'm trying to get this blanket done so that I can send it and and it takes one whole ball to finish the last section. It's pretty crazy. So um, I am through the so the the cast on was in blue, the first white section, and I'm also now through the first blue section. I'm onto the second white section. and um overall, I've decreased one hundred and twenty stitches so far, which is pretty good actually i can f- I can feel the rows becoming faster, but it's still a lot of garter stitch, but it looks good and i'm I'm pretty happy with it. So how long is it gonna take me? I'm through the worst of it, but, uh, but there's still a lot to go. I mean, being down 120 stitches means I still have over 400 on the needle. So, but every row is another four less. So yeah, for the next couple of weeks, quite apart from homework and other things, it's going to be a baby blanket, uh, trying to finish off that sock, which I'm still working on and trying desperately not to cast on anything new even though every time i go downstairs and you know walk past the chair with uh, with the things i have to put into my ravelry stash there that gradient yarn it's calling to me but i will persevere and i will finish the baby blanket and the sock so uh, that's where i'm at in terms of projects and that is the fiber notes update Notion Box. There's a couple things I want to talk about in Notion Box today. First and foremost, of course, is the side bet that's been running for the last uh, couple of episodes. Thank you to everyone who has left a review on iTunes. I really appreciate it. By the Fibre is now completely rated on uh, on US iTunes. Not in Canada yet, but we'll get there. Thank you also to Suna on Ravelry, who explained to me how I could see everybody's reviews. I really appreciate that. I probably wouldn't have figured it out otherwise, so thank you so much. There were seven entries. Eight, if you count my mom, but she didn't want to be counted. And uh, the random number generator has selected Ellen Lovey, S.V. Janice, and Rachel Nitz as the winners of the side bet, so... Thank you so much for your reviews. Send me a note either on Ravelry or at ness at buythefiberside.com with your address and I'll get your prize package out to you. The other thing I wanted to talk about briefly is actually a bit of a, a call for help. I went to a naturopath last month and with all the things that are going on with me, He thought that a food sensitivity test would be a good idea. So I had that done, and I got the results on Thursday. And some of them I expected. uh, Gluten, for example, I expected that. Some of them I didn't. Dairy, eggs, almonds. Those I did not expect. So as a way to deal with the sensitivities, I'm on a very restricted diet. Uh, for the next two months, at the very least. Uh, after that, I can start reintroducing a few things. So right now, I can eat meat, vegetables except the ones I'm sensitive to, chickpeas, uh, a few grains, and spices and herbs, and that's pretty much it. And I know that leaves a lot of room to play. I do. When you when you actually think about it, it it does leave a lot of room. But when you compare it to the recipes that I was making before, it's very different. So I've taken a few books out from the library on gluten and dairy-free cooking. And there's some great recipes in there, a lot of them with eggs, which I also can't have. So it's always better to try a recipe that someone else has tried before and so that is my my small cry for help this is a huge lifestyle change and for me it's always easier to do lifestyle changes in small bites that's not an option here so i am looking for recommendations for uh for recipes that could either be modified to fit what i can eat or or already are what i can eat or books in, for gluten-free and dairy-free cooking that, uh, that people have found really useful. If you have any uh, recipes or, or book recommendations, send me a note or leave a comment on the episode show notes or even just in the water cooler thread on Ravelry in the, uh, in the Ravelry group. The next two weeks are going to be the hardest, but after that, hopefully things will get a little better. And I would love to have a stack of recipes to try and, uh, and see how they taste. So if you have any ideas, that would be fantastic. So that's Notion Bucks for this time around. By the Wayside. I was a bit prophetic in the last episode. I, I knew that I wouldn't be able to get any work done on the tapestry in these two weeks. They've just been absolutely swamped. Um, and between the poppies and the blankets and the appointments and, 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 I haven't had a chance to take out the tapestry since, uh, since the AGM. So, so not, no, no progress. So I guess that between the two weeks before the last episode and the, now, the two weeks after the last episode, I guess I've sort of negated the amount of work I got done over the AGM. But but with my week off coming up, and I can't spin the whole time, so I'm sure I'll be able to get a bit done on the tapestry as well. But in lieu of progress, I want to talk a bit about the the link that uh, SV Janus posted on the By the Wayside thread on the Ravelry group. It was fascinating. Thank you so much for posting that. I'm just going to go to it here. They there's a scholar, um, a, a historian from a university, Howard B. Clark, who believes he's identified the person who designed the tapestry, not necessarily the person who, you know, drew it all out or anything like that, but the person who constructed the storyline for the tapestry. And uh, he believes that this person was uh, a man named Scotland, who was the abbot at Saint Augustine's Mon- monastery in Canterbury. And there's all kinds of interesting reasons for this. There's a video on, uh, on the page that, uh, on the medievalists.net. Uh, and I just watched it. It's it's really interesting. And he makes a very good case for that it's this person. And and also talks about what that's going to mean for um, the scholarship around the Bayou Tapestry going forward. So, really, really interesting. Thank you so much for posting that. I'll throw up a link in the show notes as well. So sometimes when I'm working on it, you know, I, you, I, I, forget that it's part of a bigger piece. And this piece is actually very historically significant. Um, I'll, when I'm working on it, I'm looking at it going, how on earth, how many women did they have working on this all day, every day to get this thing finished? And how long did it actually take? Cause it's taking me a long time And but I'm not working on it all day, every day. So anyhow, really interesting, um, really a good reminder of the historical significance of, of this little, you know, piece that I'm working on. So thank you for posting that. Uh, that's by the wayside and there should be a little bit of work done. Maybe the horse will get finished next week. I know I said I wasn't going to do that, but maybe, maybe the horse will get finished before the next episode. Thank you for joining me for episode 22. By the Fiberside is a bi-weekly podcast, and I look forward to bringing you episode 23 on November 17th, 2013. Show notes for this episode can be found at www.bythefiberside.com. Join the discussion in our group on Ravelry. If you need to get in touch with me directly, you can email me at ness, as in Loch Ness, at bythefiberside.com. Thanks again for listening. This is By the Fiberside.